And I think the pandemic really highlighted the resilience that some of these more traditional brands and, and models have. I think a lot of traditional brands actually grew their profits while a lot of the more challenger digital-only banks really suffered for a period of time from a revenue perspective in, in 2022. I think it's also helped put a spotlight on the important role that community banks play in their community specifically. And, you know, this is something that Mantle has long recognized and, and championed and in many ways why, why we started the business. You know, community banks, I think, funded about 60% of these SBA loans across the country through the pandemic, right? They were there when their small business customers needed them. And, you know, they played an overwhelming role in really providing these PPP to the, to the businesses at the end of the day. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 133rd episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Nathaniel Harley to the show. Nathaniel is the co-founder and CEO at Mantle, an enterprise software as a service company empowering traditional financial brands to modernize and grow. In fact, through Mantle's white-labeled platform, consumers can open accounts at their local financial brand from anywhere, on any device, at any time, in roughly 2 minutes and 37 seconds. That's speed. And as a result, Mantle helps community institutions raise billions and billions of dollars in deposits every single year. Welcome to the show, Nathaniel. Welcome to the show, Nathaniel. It is so good to have you on today. I mean, I'm looking forward to this conversation here, buddy. Me too. Thanks so much for having me on. Before we get into digital account opening and all the opportunities available for financial brands in a post-COVID world, I want to just take a step back. What are you most excited about right now, personally, professionally? The pick is always yours. So got a, got a lot of things going on, a lot of good things uh, on the personal front. Actually, just had my first kid about eight months ago, so been really exciting watching him grow. And you know, I, I think on on the business front, just growing a company in this sort of post-COVID world. You know, I, I think there's all these different dynamics that have changed. People moving remote. How do you keep and maintain culture? How do you build a team really quickly? How do you recruit top talent? So those are fun challenges to me, you know, and, and I think I'll speak to, you know, helping Mantle ultimately uh, achieve its mission, right, which at the end of the day is really just expanding access to financial services. And, and it's been awesome to really bring on so many people across the country that are really passionate about the problems we're solving and getting to, to meet so many new folks. So, you know, a lot of, lot of exciting stuff. I think that's so important when you can bring an organization around a mission, around a purpose that is far greater than than just what the norm is. That's what gets people excited. That's what gets people energized. And really, this idea of remote, 
there's a fantastic opportunity even for financial brands to attract top talent that might not be in their local ecosystem, if you will. When, when you look at maintaining culture, because I know that's a big, big challenge for financial brands, how have you done that at Mantle? So at the end of the day, we try to root our culture in our values. And yes. we also try to keep our values super simple. So we have three of them, and each one is, is one word. Number one is transparency. Number two is accountability. And number three is collaboration. So we really try to bring everyone back to those three words, which we feel really drive the people at Mantle and um, what we're, you know, who we are as, as humans and, and individuals. That's a great point. It's the simplicity because, I mean, how many times do organizations, even financial brands, you go and you look at their values, you go look at their mission and vision. It's like all of these words. I like the simplicity of it. But but I also really cued into the last one, this point of collaboration. It's collaboration that I see, particularly post-COVID, that's going to create the far greatest value over multiple verticals, multiple industries, but specifically here in financial services, collaboration is going to be greater than competition. And that's something that Dan Sullivan and I have had multiple conversations about, even one in episode 69. And so when you look at the collaborative opportunities for financial brands, specifically through the work that you're doing in the digital account opening space, looking at just, we'll call it the digital account opening landscape, what are some of the big trends that you're seeing as we keep moving further into this post-COVID world? So community banks and, and credit unions, they make up 95% of all of the banking institutions, right? And, and we believe that they are critical to maintaining competition, but also equity in, in our financial system. And I think the pandemic really highlighted the resilience that some of these more traditional brands and, and models have. I think a lot of traditional brands actually grew their profits while a lot of the more challenger digital only banks really suffered for a period of time from a revenue perspective in, in 2022. I think it's also helped put a spotlight on the important role that community banks play in their communities specifically. And you know, this is something that Mantle has long recognized and, and championed and in many ways why, why we started the business. You know, community banks, I think, funded about 60% of these SBA loans across the country through the pandemic, right? They were there when their small business customers needed them. And, you know, they played an overwhelming role in really providing these PPP to the, to the businesses at the end of the day. And we've also seen that, you know, the community banking institutions, I think digital transformation as a concept has really sped up maybe three to five years as, as you know, uh, when, when you're sort of looking at it. And they really started to embrace new technologies at, at the onset of the pandemic that will allow them to make pretty significant headway in growing things like core deposits and really future proofing their businesses and expanding their customer base digitally. One great example of that, we helped a bank um, you know, at, an, at a New Jersey's bank called Cross River raise $250 million of deposits in just 15 days, right? Wow. So, you know, I think as we move deeper into this sort of post-COVID world, we'll just see an enhanced focus on more of these business banking relationships in, in 2022. I think, as I said, they built a ton of really great goodwill with a lot of these businesses. Yep. And now the question is, all right, like, how do I capitalize on that goodwill? How do I take a lot of these relationships and turn them into more long-term relationships. The problem is currently a, a lot of the community banks don't have 
online account open, right? And those that do use legacy solutions that are slow, they're complicated, they're expensive, right? And the current experience is not great. 85% of businesses report a bad onboarding experience with their bank. I want, I, want to, I want to pause you there because yeah. there's a couple things that I hear. Number one, it's this idea of community. Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer in that. And when you look at, like you said, the goodwill that's been built up, particularly on the small business side, let's tap further into that. And I'm curious to know on the flip side, why do we have such a gap still of community institutions that have not really embraced digital account opening. I see this a lot of times when it comes to the digital secret shopping that we're doing. And so on that, it's like, you know, looking at just digital account opening, what's what's a commonly held belief that at a macro level, this industry has about digital account opening that maybe you disagree with here? So I think many bankers and and community bankers fear losing the personalized approach and customer service that they've really built their reputation on. Right. Right. And, you know, in, in reality, what we've learned and, you know, a lot of this comes from talking to customers as well as research is the happiest banking customers are actually able to bank how and where they want. Mm -hmm. And that means leveraging the branch. It means leveraging online. It means leveraging mobile right at, at the end of the day. And that's one of the things we're, we're really trying to, to tackle. I, I think, you know, in order to compete with uh, the mega banks, right? And the, the new tech companies and, and the challenger banks for the digital savvy customers, it's essential that these community banks invest in the right technology. It's almost existential. If we do not invest, if you do not invest, you may not be around in the next five to 10 years. And, you know, what we understand is is the best digital tools actually offer you flexibility, efficient use of data, analytics, multi-channel distribution, right? A digital experience that allows you to meet your customers' needs real time so that you increase the chance that, that, that they will do business with you. And I think you can you know, you can break that down into a number of different factors. I think it's investing in speed and and reliability, right? Customers have a very high expectation. They should be able to open an account. They should see high uptime, high conversion rates. They want to get in and out as quickly as possible. Community banks also need to play to their key strengths, right? They need to know that, you know, the one size fits all approach that maybe the money center banks isn't exactly right for them. They need to cater to their customers' personal needs. And then on, on the other side of it, you know, they really need to focus on tapping into both the human to human personalized approach that, you know, they, they have built their business on, but complementing that with the digital channels and, and online account opening. And I think that right there is a tremendous opportunity to to maybe explore a little bit further because I hear your point and we hear the same thing. It's that fear of I, we've built these relationships in a in a world of of, of physical of, of brick and mortar. Someone comes and sits across the desk from me. We have a conversation. But who says that we can't do that same exact have that same type of an experience through the digital channels? Um, to, we're doing this right now. I mean, you know, we are recording. I can see you. 
you can see me. It, it's bringing the best. So it's it's humanizing the digital experience, and it's not just digital alone. But it's like you said, it's it's playing upon those strengths. I'm curious to know when when you look at just almost the shifting competitive at, at lands this landscape here, and you talked about the megas. What should be like the primary area a community brand should really focus in on if they are wanting to be competitive? Because I think my my big concern is this. Historically, it's been we're only focused on the here and the now. We're not we're not future focused. And then the future arrives far too fast. And so I appreciate the work that you and your team are doing to essentially bring the future into the present. What might be the one opportunity? Cause there's so much out there, so many opportunities to look at, consider prioritize, but when it comes to digital account opening, what's the opportunity that we should really be thinking about here? I think it's two things. I think it's number one, doubling down and investing in the hybrid approach, mm. right? And really what I mean by that, and, and we just sort of talked about that is, you know, investing in, in the physical, but also investing online. But the thing that connects those two is the digital software yep. at the end of the day, right? Online, being in the branch or, or, you know, interacting with a relationship manager on the go doesn't necessarily mean that those people are not empowered by digital software that, you know, is the same software you would experience online. Right. right. And, you know, I, I think what's really, we, we sort of saw this in the retail industry, right. Where, you know, basically there was this huge boom of direct to consumer companies that went online, Casper, you know, et cetera. And what did we see now? Well, yeah, they grew online but they actually reverted and now there are physical locations that people can walk into. Right. And I think what that means is these are just different channels at the end of the day and they play an important role for different things. The branch is evolving. The branch is turning into more of a, you know, education hub or I need to talk to someone, right? Or, or similar to call center, I can call in. It's a place you can go to really learn more or get that human interaction if you need to. But the online channel is really focused on the acquisition, right? If I want to go, you know, just back to the Casper example, if I want to go buy a mattress, I'm probably browsing online, but I don't know what that mattress feels like. So I'm going to go into a mattress store. I'm going to go try out those mattresses, but I'm actually not going to buy the mattress at that store. I'm going to go buy it on my phone. Right. Yep. Or I'm going to go buy it at home. So it's really important that those two channels complement each other in, in, in a big way. It's the quintessential showrooming that I think was really a challenge for Best Buy back in the day. You know, people would right. go and they'd showroom it at Best Buy. Then they go buy it online. And, and you bring up a very interesting point because I really probably got my head wrapped around this whenever I saw the Whole Foods acquisition from Amazon. You've got, you know, the world's largest e-com player buying physical real estate through Whole Foods. But even look at what Target's done. Target over the last, you know, the last quarter, I think it was Q4 of 2020, um, around 15% of all Target's revenue came from not just mobile, but from, you know, you buy it online and then you go in and pick it up. So you're right. It, it, it is the best of both worlds. It's it's not one or it's not the other. It's about complementing. And, and when you think about making this transformative shift, 
I'm gonna I want to focus on that word here because you mentioned the the branch. I'm a big believer that the branch is going undergoing a transformation as well. Hundred percent. Historically, the branch was transactional. Mm-hmm. Going forward, though, to me, with the relationships, the branch will truly be transformational, not for the financial brand, but for the relationships. I mean, that's where that coaching advisory guidance. I mean, I would love to see a financial brand build a coaching program yeah. that they meet on a quarterly basis and sit down. This is where you were over the last 90 days. This is where you can go over the next 90 days. What are the roadblocks that you need to be aware of? Or here are the opportunities. Like, like here are tweaks that you can make because it's that coaching that's going to provide the accountability for people to actually you know, create new behaviors and patterns and, 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 and get to a bigger, better, brighter future, get beyond the financial stress that holds them back. I mean, to have, and we're seeing that the financial gym out of New York is doing that, uh, for example, but to, to really build that into the operational system because then the digital front, that's where all the transactions can 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 then be shifted to to create more space and time to have conversations with people. And, and I want to come back to the point of roadblocks here. Yeah. Looking out at the digital account opening experience, what are the roadblocks that a financial brand needs to be aware of that could you know trip them up, hold them back, prevent them from making progress on this journey here? Totally. So I think that the banking industry today in general is just in urgent need of innovation and the legacy infrastructure that these banks are built upon is probably the single biggest challenge that has really hindered and limited digital moder- digital monetization in the US, right? And this is especially true for community banks. As I said, they make up 95% of Know, the, the financial institutions in the US, but they're dominated by essentially three large legacy vendors, FIS, Fiserv, and Jack Henry. They dominated the industry, but their technology is outdated and they've taken an acquisition approach to innovation. What I mean by that is they've acquired all these companies over the past few years and essentially bolted them on, essentially are holding companies at the end of the day. Right. They're not product innovation companies at the end of the day, right? And that lack of innovation has really prevented this middle market that relies heavily on these institutions from from growing. I think currently 43% of legacy banks are still running on a system that was written in COBOL. And that's a programming language that's over 60 years old, right? Right. These are systems built in the 60s, in the 70s, in 80s. And it's no surprise that the gap between the community and regional banks and credit unions and the money center banks and the fintechs have been widening. Over the past 25 years, the deposit market share of the money center banks has gone from 16% to 56%. Wow. That's an astonishing number, right? But how do you solve that? Well, that's when Mantles comes in. And essentially what we do is one, we understand these core banking systems better than the core providers themselves. And we provide them with a digital account opening solution that gives them neobank-like efficiencies with unmatched ROI, right? And facilitating this real-time core integration, giving best-in-class user experience, you know, flipping conversion rates on its head, taking a 20-minute process and, and bringing it down to two, allowing you to raise hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in deposits in a short amount of time. Those are tools that community banks have not had access to previously. And what we've seen 
is when you give community banks access to the right tools, i.e. products like Mantle, they can compete and they can be successful. And you know, we, we obviously have, have many examples like that across the board, whether it's Midwest Bank Center, who you know, raised multi-hundred million dollars of deposits in a very short amount of time, or Quantic Bank, who has lowered their cost of funding by 90%. Um, so you, know, you see some pretty significant, amazing results. Technology has transformed our world, and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now, consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to, because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now, back to the show. Yeah, you hit on a couple of points. It's that idea of speed going from 20 minutes down to two minutes. And it's so eye-opening when we're working with a financial brand in the Banking on Digital Growth program and we're doing secret shopping against their uh, their their website, their account opening experience. And a lot of times I think it's just a lack of awareness, even a lack of knowledge. Like how many on the senior leadership team have opened an account through the current platform? I mean, that's a great practical takeaway. If you're listening to this, go open an account on your website um, and then go to say like a, a chime um, or an aspiration and see what that experience feels like and then just do a comparison and, 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 and contrast because you're, you don't benchmark necessarily against other financial brands. Benchmark against some of these other players as well because it's the speed that we're seeing that is making, I would say, a difference right there. And, and I just want to I want to touch on a few of these points because I, I think you're you're basically hitting on like how do you optimize what you're doing and, and what should you be focused on? I think number one right? Like we just talked about user experience and time to open an account and, and those things should be table stakes, yep. right? There's no reason why you shouldn't do it. I think there are a few other things from a, a, a strategy standpoint that, you know, banks and credit unions should really focus on. Number one, less is more, right? You, you just brought up Chime. You go open an account on Chime. How many accounts are you trying to open? They have one, right? Yep. They have one account. You're in there, you're through the funnel, you're opening the account. They may then, once you're opening, try to cross-sell or upsell you different products, but you're in a customer at that point. Well, let, right? let, me, let me hop in because I want to build yeah. on your thought. Less is definitely more. Chime, and we've, we did this against a community institution, and, and we're not going to name who their platform was. It wasn't you guys, yeah. uh, just to make you feel a little better. But the, fr- the, the frustration was in regards to field of membership. People were, they got so confused at the, like how they, and they ended up uh, in, in the question. This was live observational testing. Yeah. If this wasn't um, a, a test, would you abandon? And like 92% said definitely we would. Coming back to your point about Chime, less is more. If you look at Chime's UI UX, they're asking one question 
per screen. So uh-huh. they've reduced the cognitive load versus where the community institution historically up to this point has taken the legacy in-person paper application, digitized that, and it's it looks like a paper app just with digital input fields. Continue. I'm sorry, but I had to hop in on that point. Right so there. On, on that point, it takes 24 clicks to open an account using the Mantle platform, right? That is as good as it gets when looking at all the neobanks, 24 clicks. So that that efficiency you are talking about is so, so important because, you know, basically, and, and if I'm remembering this stat, um, you know, essentially for every like 10 seconds you add to the onboarding experience, you increase drop off by 5%, Yep. right? And that's, that's massive. So I, I totally agree. I, I think the other thing that you mentioned and, and I think is super important is, is simplicity right? Simplicity is key. Oftentimes, like, you know, we try to present the customer with multiple types of checking accounts or bundled accounts and all these different things. But when presented with the choice between a free account, i.e. no monthly fees or or a premium account, like the customer is always going to go with the free account, right? At, At the end of the day. And that's honestly the single biggest determining factor when selecting a checking account from, from what we've, what we've encountered. So I think like product construction and, and, and just thinking about like, you know, I want to let one checking account, one savings account and offer a one year CD. Yep. That's where you got to start. And then obviously you can optimize for there, but that's how you start to like really break things down in a simple way to be able to drive some of the results that I, I think some of the neobanks are seeing. Well, you're, you're hitting on, a, on an important point because simplicity is actually for for many financial brands it's an exercise in complexity it's a paradox and what i mean by that it's you mean we're only going to offer or focus on this one thing or these two or three things absolutely well why would we do that well because the more choices that you give i mean it's, there's a great book in ted talk by barry schwartz it's called the paradox of choice if you're listening go read the book watch the ted talk it's 15 minutes because the 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 hypothesis the more choice that you provide someone with the less likely that they are to make a choice. And I'm going to make this very practical. Look at a Chick-fil-A menu, historically, six six items. Maybe now it's nine. Or you can go to the Bible of Food, get the Bible of Food at the Cheesecake Factory, and you've got like, you know, 200 choices. Like, what do I pick at that point? It's It's overwhelming. And so I'm with you. On like, let's just simplify that this down to as few of options as possible, and as a result, we'll increase conversions on the other side. I'm sure I'm sure you've heard of this really hot button phrase in in the industry called the Amazon shopping cart like experience. Yep. I'd be curious to get your thoughts. I'll, I'll tell you my views really quickly. It doesn't work, right? It's not like we're going grocery shopping and trying to select all these products. In fact. Financial products are a highly research-based set, right? Like people do a ton of research and they kind of know what they want when they get to the, 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 to, to the website and adding all this complexity to your point really hurts you at the end of the day. There's a big difference between buying mascara and, and getting a mortgage, right? And <laughs> I, I would say so. And, and we had a financial brand that wanted us wanted to get into the program, um, and I'm, we were going through just an interview process because we're very selective. And they brought up the Amazon, like they wanted a sh- that that functionality. And I asked some more probing questions as to like, what's your why? What, what, what value do you think? Well, that's that's what we believe, and I'm I'm with you. I'm like, I, I was kind of just like, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> 
that's just a dumb idea because yeah and so yeah and so i was like yeah you're you're just not a good fit and and we were both happy about that because i don't think it would have worked out if we're not getting that like philosophy kind of aligned at the very beginning but you're right highly researched number one and we see through some of the research that we've done three to six months is what a buying journey looks like. There's a lot of comparative analysis that goes off on a lot of benchmarking. And then once you make enough deposits into a consumer's trust fund that sits between their ears, and that's where you're moving from awareness into consideration and then moving them down into the purchasing, that's where you know I think it's the zero moment of truth of what Google has written so prolifically about over the years. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this, you know, new account acquisition. It's something that we're getting a, a lot of conversation. We have a lot of conversations with, with, with those that we advise and coach. And I hear this, we want to offer some type of a carrot, you know, something to influence consumer behavior. And I'm really not a big fan of this because there are now so many big box financial brands, the the, the nationals, if you will, who are offering three, five hundred. I, I I actually saw a hook, a carrot, for seven hundred and fifty dollars, and I'm like, wow. But then you read the fire print, like that's a lot of hoops to jump through. I'm curious to get your take. It, it, you know what, what and how is this? Could this be a slippery slippery slope? And is there a better path forward than just, you know, basically trying to go head to head on the, the shiny carrot? Yeah. So just in short, number one, do not recommend doing this. We think this is a terrible idea. Just go check out for anyone listening to this doctor of credit. It's a whole site dedicated to gaming this exact system. Essentially what people do is they go, they sign up for this account. They use a credit card so they can get all those bonus points. They get the $750 and Whoa. then they earn after three, you know, six, however long the, the thing lasts, right? So we actually think cash incentives, we, we could not disagree with them more and, and not recommend them more strongly. Like really what you want to do is just avoid having fees. That is a way more powerful tool in your arsenal that the bank can utilize. And honestly, is the single biggest determining factor for customers selecting a check account. So that would be our recommendation. You know, it, that doctor of credit, if you're listening, I think like that's- you know what? Do you know doctor of credit? No, but I just pulled it up as, as we're talking and I'm like, wow, this is, yeah, it's gamified, and and I, I, I'm curious to know, like, I'm just looking here. We've got City, we've got uh, T-Mobile, Amaret, we've got Camden National Bank. So if you're listening, I think this is a great reason why there's a better approach of, like, what what pisses people off? It's the fees. It's the fees create the pain. And, and if you come over and, you know, we once again, we, we do a lot of benchmarking against Chime. They, on their website, in like an H2 tag, it says, say goodbye to hidden fees. No overdraft, no minimum, no monthly, no foreign transactions, no ATMs. And I think it's that point because when we do the research with the with, with, with customers and, and, and just people, consumers in general, why am I having to pay you to get access to my money? Like that's where the big conflict point comes within their mind. On the flip side though, and I'm curious to get your take on this. Okay, so we, like cash incentives, bad. What about bundling 
uh, not accounts, but just bundling in. We see bundling, like for example, like T-Mobile. T-Mobile bundles up. I think it's like Spotify. Um, you've got AT and T. They bundle in like Hulu, and I'm you know I don't know if these are the exact brands because I'm pretty like media. I've, I've, I don't consume a lot of like we've canceled Netflix. You know, yeah. Spotify is on the cutting block at this point. But I'm curious to get your take on like the bundling of like complementary or you know other other value ads, quote unquote. What do you think? So I, I, I like those because it flips it on it, it flip it it flips it on its head, right? Essentially, from penalizing the customer for using their account or having a certain balance, they're providing value additive services. And what I think is really key to that example is the more value additive services you can provide, some of which you give away for free, some of which you do charge for, right? Because there's obviously inherent value in them. That's what's really important. And, and that's what I think creates a really positive customer relationship and creates a, a dynamic where, oh, my bank is actually helping me at the yep. end of the day. It's not penalizing me for having a balance less than $1,000 or whatever it is, right? So I actually, I like those strategies because I, I think they're very value additive and um, customers appreciate them. You know, it's good to hear you say because it's value creation, not not penalization. And we've started to explore some of that with a few different financial brands, like once again, coming bundling up like this idea of coaching um, and, and, and making that part of the overall experience. There's a lot like like we've we've covered a lot of ground today and optimizing digital account experiences. It, it can really feel like a massive undertaking, um, which from from what I hear, that's one of the reasons like these things get delayed. But I'm 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 like there's there's a story by Shell Silverstein thinking about your your little eight month old story by uh, about Melinda May. And it's a little poem. It says, Melinda May tried to eat the monstrous well. She thought she could. She said she would. So she started right at the tell. And everyone said, Melinda, you're much too small. That didn't bother Melinda at all. She took little bites and chewed very slow, just like a good girl should. And over time, Melinda May, she ends up eating this this gigantic well. And so when you look at this idea of eating the well, eating the elephant bite by bite, how might this an approach, you know, maybe it's a it's a 90-day focus, help financial brands get some momentum behind them. You gave that example before of that, that bank in New Jersey, was it a, a quarter of a billion deposits in 15 days? So what, what's your take on that um, to, to get some momentum? I think there, there are four really crucial pieces of advice to take into consideration when embarking on this journey. So number one, it's focus on best performing products and then expand right? All of our data across our customers shows that really three types of accounts generate 87% of all accounts open. That's the 80-20 rule, right? Of course. For, you get your three, it's, it's basically covering, you know, greater than 80%. So what we recommend is that banks start with one checking, one savings, and a one-year CD. You can add multiple CDs on the Mantle platform. You can add additional products on the Mantle platform, all for free, right? And, and yourself. But what's important here is how do we get you live as quickly as possible? And by starting with simplicity and then iterating on you know the other 20%, yep. that's how you get a really good outcome. I think number two is how do you expedite core banking integrations, right? And, and specifically with VPNs, 
their core, core banking system providers vary drastically on, on how long it, it typically takes. It can take anywhere from two to four weeks. Some core providers quote anywhere from three to six months. But what's important when considering this option is real-time read and write capability with your technology vendor. And so for instance, there are ways to enable core connectivity in one week or even one day, right? Mm -hmm. And we can provide a step-by-step -step detailed approach and documentation on, on how to do that. Number three, consider using your vendor's best, best practices. So this has to start with trust and you have to trust your vendor. But what we promise our banks is that we will give you our best recommendation out of the box. We'll give you our best marketing copy, our disclosures, how to set up your BSA KYC AML waterfall, uh, email remarketing configurations, what CIP to collect, et cetera, et cetera. And this will allow you to capture 90% of the economics, right? And automation just out of the box, right? And so if you take this configuration and we just go live with it, you're going to get 90% of the value and you can always treat post-live, right? Yep. And I think lastly, and, and this is super important, and there's often tension here, you don't want to cut corners on compliance or BSA ever, yep. right? Because that's always something that, that will bite you. I think even during expedited implementations, it's really important that vendors work with the compliance teams to ensure there is no compromising from a regulatory perspective. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to recommend doing non-document-based verification because that is something we do recommend. And if you look at, you know, I think eight of the top 10 banks online use this as, as a primary approach because this is what helps increase conversion, but also satisfies the BSA, right? So it's not like we're not going to recommend the most forward-thinking approaches, but we do have to keep these in mind and we want the entire team to feel comfortable so that there are no roadblocks um, you know, be, being thrown up in the way. So look, I, I think the majority of technology integrations can take upwards of six months to go live and 90 days can seem impossible, but you can do it. And it just requires you take an agile, yes. minimally viable approach, right? And that's the MVP, MVP approach. That's what you do when you build software. And if you can get comfortable with that, you're going to get 90% of the returns as, you know, it's not about cutting corners at all. It's about taking best practices. And, you know, ultimately that's, that's how we can get you the best results faster. And then you can iterate on the 10 to 20% post go live. Once you have more data, once you learn, et cetera. One of the, the things that I always share with financial brands in our program, because it is, it's a, like, how is that even possible? I mean, even like the idea of building a website that sells that, you know, that slogs on into a 12, 18 month project. I'm like, that it's too long. We need to get something that, that idea of the MVP back out. It's the 80, you know, 80% rule, but flip it on its head, get 80% of the way there. Let's launch it learn from it and then we can continue to grow and and so distilling all this down when you think about growth when you think about progress progress is far greater than perfection because perfection ends up being a cost um particularly in a in a market where speed back to your point that you made earlier speed becomes a competitive advantage. Nathaniel, this has been a fantastic conversation, a lot of good ideas, insights, and even some practical things a financial brand can apply that, that if they're listening today, I want to get really, really practical here at the end. You know, all progress 
Coming back to that point, all progress, all growth begins with a small, simple step forward. One thing. What would one thing be that the dear listener can take as they continue to move forward on their journey here? Just something small, not big, but what would that one small thing be? You should reach out to Mantle and let, let's start a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> start, start a conversation with the Mantle, definitely. But but for someone else that, I, you know what, I'm not just there yet. What's that one small thing that you could recommend to them? Is it is it is it looking at like the, the best product mix that they have, like like looking at what their flow is? Would it be looking at the UI UX? Would it be doing some type of benchmarking? Just to, to, to get some, I think, number one, awareness, but, but even internally, it's like helping others, helping the, the unaware become aware that this is, yeah, I, this is something that we should consider. Look, I, I think it has to start with user experience. And I think you know, one should evaluate what they are currently doing, if yep. they are currently doing something. And then they should go check out one of the big banks, like a Chase, and they should go check out one of the neo banks, like a you know, a chime or, or whoever it is, right? And, and just sort of see the stark difference because you can have that. I promise you, you can have that in a cost-effective way that helps your bank grow. You know, and I think that right there, that's the practicality. That's the exercise that I will prescribe, if you will, as, as your digital anthropologist, go out, benchmark against the big banks, against a FinTech and, and look at just different products but don't do it by yourself. Do it with your leadership team. Yeah. Do it with your board even. And then sit down 30 days from now, have a conversation, and compare notes. And each one of you kind of takes a little bit of a different approach. What did you learn? What worked well for you? What do you feel could be even better? Looking out at the competition, what worked well in that experience? What could be even better? And then where's the gap? And I think it would become very clear, very fast. It'll be very obvious of where you can continue to optimize the digital account opening experience. And then at that point, definitely reach out to Nathaniel on that. For those wanting to continue the conversation of what we started today, what's the best way for them to reach out to you and say hello, Nathaniel? Uh, so I think number one, check out our site and, and just request a demo or you can just email us directly at sales at mantle.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Nathaniel, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.